Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of The Occasionalists, our next episode in the March of Minisodes. I should say our next Minisode in the March of Minisodes. Um, <clears throat> for this episode, I'm calling it, I'm telling you for the last time. I'm going to go through uh, some of our recent episodes, and actually uh, an episode from quite a while ago. And I'm just going to go through some thoughts and things that, uh, I'm go through each topic and, and bring up some things that I know I forgot to mention, or just kind of put a button on from the previous episode. So let's start off with the, the first two are, are more recent and then we'll get to the last one, which is from uh, last year, early last year. And actually, in fact, I think, I think it was from a mini-sode last year. So it's been about a year since we touched on this on the very last topic. But to start off here, I do want to circle back to the episode in which, uh, in which I talked about, uh, you know, going to the gym for the first time or kind of the way to break down barriers. Uh, if you are a gym newbie, or someone who is sort of looking to kind of take the take the step into what I would quote unquote call a real gym, um, <clears throat> but uh, I it, none of that. What I really want to talk about, I, I don't think I really got that deep into it, or really even mentioned. I possibly don't even remember if I mentioned it at all. But <clears throat> one of the things that, um, as someone who who does put themselves online, especially like if I am doing some ridiculous like workout stuff, I'll put that online, and there is sort of this, there is a community of people and some of them are real, some of them are bots, but either way, um, there are, there are real people that get dragged along with the bots, but there's this whole sort of, I'm not even, I'm not going to call it a community. I'm going to call it a, um, <laughs> I'm going to call it a, a bucket full of crabs, uh, uh, that enjoyed trying to pull other people down is really what this is going to get into, what I'm going to get into. And it starts with the idea that, uh, you have to have when you exercise. You have to have perfect form. Um, well, you want to have good form because, quite frankly, the idea that there is such thing as perfect form is a complete and total farce. If you can do something perfectly, whether it's a bench press, whether it's a whether it's a power clean, um, overhead press, doesn't matter what it is. If you can do something perfectly, then it isn't challenging you anymore. And if it isn't challenging you anymore then you're not going to get any benefits from that activity, uh, especially when it comes to fitness and gym activities. I think, um, you know, just to, to actually to circle back um, to my episode with my friend Kayla, where she talked about, um, where she talked about rock climbing. And I, I kind of asked her if like, you know, I, I, kept, I don't remember if it was on the, on the falling question or if it was the motivation question. But, um, you know, she talked about how like, you know, sometimes if she can, if she can make it up a, a certain grade climb, um, you know, easily, then she isn't challenging herself. Like if she doesn't fall, if she doesn't slip, if it doesn't give her a little bit of nervousness, then she's not challenging herself. In that same fashion, if you are going to the gym and you're lifting weights, um, you know, Olympic lifting or strength training, whatever, um, powerlifting doesn't really matter. Or if you're just doing, you, you know, you just want to do exercises just to quote unquote look good, um, doesn't really matter. But if that form suddenly becomes quote unquote perfect, then it isn't challenging for you anymore. And the thing that you're trying to accomplish with it is now lost. You want good form. That's what everyone's striving for. Good form on your bench press. Good form on your squat. Good form on, you know, cleans. Good form on curls and tricep extensions. Because if, you, and you'll see it in, in a lot of videos where people are kind of maxing out, be it maxing on weight or maxing out like with reps or something, you'll see those those later reps kind of get a little bit shaky. You know, like you'll see someone squatting, uh, maybe it's not like they're heaviest, maybe they're, they're squatting three plates for, 
a set of, you know, they're trying to go like a set of 20 or 25 or something. And you'll see those last few reps, their legs are a little bit shaky. Maybe they don't hit depth exactly as deep as they did in the first rep. And that's okay. That is 100% okay. Because it is, it is, they are putting, they are pushing themselves, excuse me, they are pushing themselves to a place where they're uncomfortable. And when you get to a place where you're uncomfortable, things become more difficult. Um, so it is, it's just one of those things that like, it's just one of those things where like, start from there. Perfect, perfect is a farce. Perfect is the enemy of progress. That's really what I'm talking about here. Perfect is the enemy of progress. And so here we're, where we're going with this and talking about the bucket of crabs. If you, if you're one of those people who, um, you know, be it a, a big time fitness influencer or someone who just kind of posts their own workouts quietly online for, for their friends, um, surely you've gotten some attention from somebody who's just like, oh, well, you, you know, you, you didn't come down to depth quite as far as I would like. And, uh, you know, the, none of these reps counted because you didn't do this. You didn't do that. Um, again, a lot of those, a lot of those comments are just bot comments. They're not even real. They're from dead accounts that got taken over by, I don't know, probably Russians or North Koreans, whatever. Um, but there are some people that do kind of come out and, and kind of try to pick nitpick about what is happening with this with a particular rep and a particular rep range, and it's always the same. the comment The comment is always the same that, uh, well, you know, you didn't do it with perfect form, you know, for five or eight reps, blah blah blah. Well, if I could do it with perfect form, then this wouldn't be a challenge anymore. And I th- I do think that there are a lot of, I think that there are a lot of people that maybe get um, a little bit too comfortable in the gym, and that's sort of like. I don't know, maybe they just don't feel like pushing themselves a little bit harder anymore and whatever. That's not really my place to tell them what's right or what's wrong in, in terms of like what they're what they're trying to achieve. But I will tell you that the idea that everything needs to be perfect is fucking bunk. It doesn't need to be perfect. It needs to be good if it's fucking dangerous. Like if someone's squatting with real dangerous form, that's different. If someone is doing something on bench that could you know potentially like injure a shoulder or elbow or Terra Peck, that's different. But the idea that like, you know, like I, I you know, if you're taking, um, you're doing like heavy dumbbell press or something uh, for a weight that you've never gotten to before, if it doesn't hit absolute complete depth, it's okay. Like you, the only way to learn, the only way to sort of get used to that weight and see if you can do it and, and get better at doing it is to struggle with it. And it's sort of like, I don't want to say force it through, but get through it with good form the way that you have to get through it. And the only way that you can kind of begin to master that weight is to actually do it and struggle with it. If everyone could pick up, you know, weights and for the first time on that first set, do it perfectly, then there there wouldn't be gyms. There wouldn't even be weightlifting because we would all have the ability to do these things perfectly right off the rip. So, you know, it's when, I mean... And I and I say this because like there are people there's some big time fitness influencers like a guy like Larry Wheels, who I believe has if not several hundred thousand followers maybe a couple million, um, who's like a big time fitness influencer. There are people that as he's squatting four plates for sets of forty, will nitpick about his his depth, or nitpick about like the speed that he's going at, and it's it's, it's like as if as if he slowed down slightly he wouldn't be able to do four plates or something. It's just a stupid, it's such a stupid, um, again, it's just this uh, bucket of crabs mentality. Just like pulling people down because what? Because you can't do that much? I don't know. Maybe you should try, maybe you should try pushing yourself to see exactly what that looks like. And you might find out that 
your quote unquote perfect form suddenly becomes less than perfect because you know that's what happens when you progress you're just not as good as it good at it the first time as you are the 10th time the 20th time the 30th time um and that's sort of that's just what that's just what weightlifting is man that's what exercise and, and fitness is just just is figuring out where your weaknesses are and working through them and working through those weaknesses will show you that things just can't be perfect um, something else that I want to cover here real quickly. This has become uh, a, a big time sort of contentious point recently in the fitness world is filming in the gyms. Um, there's a fitness influencer, Joey, Joey Swole, who makes a whole series of videos about people filming in the gym. And, you know, the, the idea that these people are being filmed simply to be shamed. And it, it, the, the practice is certainly divisive. Um, there are reasons to film and reasons not to film. Um, I don't have the, the right answer here, but basically basically if you're filming for this would be my sort of advice for it if you're filming for reasons other than um other than your own safety like if you you know they're one of the big things that we talk that uh, that this particular influencer talks about and one of the realities of uh women in the gym is that they do get harassed by people it, it does happen it's not something that's made up and if you if you're a woman in the gym and you do feel unsafe there's nothing wrong with sort of filming those interactions to show the gym staff. Um, but again, that's to show the gym staff, not to show everyone on TikTok. Uh, it doesn't really help any kind of situation, and it can kind of undermine um, the man or woman. It can kind of undermine sort of the credit, or it could sort of, excuse me, kind of undermine your point, um, what you're trying to do, and and because it, it opens the door for people to discredit you, that you're just kind of trying to get like clicks and likes. Um, so if it's not for your safety, you probably shouldn't, you probably shouldn't, um, excuse me, if it is for your safety, you probably still shouldn't post it online because it's not really going to do, do anyone in particular a lot of good. Um, but also, you know, you should be filming stuff online that is simply just to show what your progress is, um, to show, you know, give advice, to, to give tips, whatever it is. It should be very instructional, um, what you're filming, right? Like, so if you do happen to catch someone in the background, I don't know, like picking their nose or something. Like, that shouldn't be the focus of your video. Um, and you know what? If you maybe if and if it is someone in the background, I don't know, picking their nose, if you just don't draw attention to it, I guarantee you um, some people probably wouldn't even notice. But the instant you draw attention to that, that person, make some snide comment with some snide voiceover, then you kind of get into different territory. And I think that's where um, that's where like the contentious points come up. And I'm 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 so sure that what it's going to lead to is that we're, they're just going to ban, especially like bigger gyms, bigger chain gyms, um, and, you know, gyms in more, um, more populated areas. They're just going to end up banning filming altogether. And it's because people just can't, people just can't do it responsibly, I guess. So, uh, don't be surprised, excuse me, don't be surprised if you go to, uh, you know, one of the big, bigger chain gyms. Don't be surprised if you don't see a, a sign in every mirror that tells you, not to um that tells you not to to film and it'll be you kind of can only blame yourselves basically all right the next thing i want to get into i want to circle back to artificial intelligence and i'm really i really wish i could go into more details about some of what i'm going to talk about but i think because of my um my company that i work for their involvement my involvement quite frankly in terms of bringing artificial intelligence into certain workplaces i don't think i can get into too much detail but i know for the most part, what I can and can't talk about. Um, but I'll, I'll start off with the, you know, we, you know, I talked to mostly about chat GPT and stable diffusion 
and how um, you know we're already seeing sort of the the way the art world is kind of rebelling against stable diffusion, filing lawsuits, and so on and so forth. I th- although I can't remember if the episode came out before or after there was an official lawsuit filed against stable diffusion, um, <clears throat> and uh, the com- I think like Mid Journey is the actual um, it's the actual name of the excuse me the actual name of the company that it's it, it doesn't really matter, but there was a lawsuit filed. Um, you know, in term, you know, to protect the intellectual property rights of artists, that uh, the the um, the artificial intelligence was uh, essentially scraping and copying to sort of reproduce, um, you know, to, to reproduce the requested prompts for uh, you know for the people using the system. And I think it's, I think there is room in the marketplace for AI art, but it, it just needs to kind of we need to figure out how to protect those intellectual property rights from the artists and, you know, still and still create something wholly new. It, it's just, we don't, the problem being that of course, technology is sort of outpaced um, technology per usual has outpaced the sort of laws and rules governing it. And uh, we're, in, we're in a very gray area with it right now. Um, so I, I think there, like I said, there's going to be a lot of movement on that particular front. I don't think, I don't think that there's going to be a ton I don't think there's going to be a ton of backlash and I don't think we're going to suddenly see ChatGPT writing college, you know, college essays and, and um, theses and, you know, for, you know, that really like in anything, it's not going to be infiltrating the education system, especially the higher education system anytime soon, especially when like we know ChatGPT can give completely incorrect answers to medical diagnoses that would otherwise be, can be very simply determined by not even a doctor. Um, you know, ChatGPT, some of its other shortcomings, it's so extraordinarily formal um, that it lacks like any, you know, it it's so extraordinarily formal that you wouldn't even someone who is is writing, um, you know, uh, you know, a paper for a college, you know, college paper or even an advanced high school paper wouldn't talk like that. Like, it's just not how people talk. Um, so there are obvious shortcomings to it. Um, it's, it's bad with colloquialisms. Um, it's not great with language. You know, you have it's not just like translations, but it's also like there are turns of phrase and colloquialisms in certain languages that like at the face, like I always, there's like a Japanese term. Um, like it's like koino yokan, which like, I think it means, um, I ate the whole thing. And, but like, that doesn't really mean anything. Um, but like the meaning behind it is sort of a, it's, um, it's very, the idea of it is very similar to, um, you know, the, the English, um, turn of phrase, you know, love at first sight. Uh, they're very similar concepts, but not exact. However, if you were to sort of, if you were just to translate that directly without any, like under any cultural understanding, it would just mean I ate the whole thing. Um, so it's chat GPT is not some kind of magic elixir. Um, it's the, you know, there are aspects of it that I know that my company uses, um, currently, and even then, um, there's a warning slapped all over it to like, hey, make sure that you before you utilize this tool, that you have some a human overseeing it, um, because it is, it's it's it is sort of, it, it's just a tool that's helping you do something. It is not the answer to this particular problem. Um, there are some of the other ways that my company is utilizing artificial intelligence are a little bit more. Um, I don't I I don't, I don't want to say ominous, but I can't really think of a better word um, to to describe this particular thing that's happening, um, wherein um, 
it is very, very possible. I have recently listened to um, one of our products, and it's very, very possible that um, the 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 DJ, the radio DJ of the future, might not be a human being whatsoever. Um, I think that is something that is much closer to realization um, than we kind of maybe have in mind. But again, it would still take human oversight to make sure things are running smoothly. Um, the day that we do get to sort of, um, the day that like our entertainment does sort of get automated completely is kind of a bad day, um, for, for human creativity and certain, certain roles in the entertainment industry. It'll be a bad day for that, but I just don't think, I, I still don't think that we're, I I think that we're farther away from that than we realize. Um, and I, I say that again, simply because of the way. Uh, the impersonal nature of artificial intelligence and how it is sort of it's it's replicating human speech but it is not human speech it's replicating human thoughts but they're not human thoughts and you can very much tell that they aren't uh, simply by the way that they're worded they're voiced in some cases um, you can just there's just this sort of I, I know we call it like the uncanny valley when um, you know the the, the sort of um, you know, once we cross the uncanny valley being this idea that like kind of separates us from uh, us from machines and like machines that are, you know, made to look like us, sound like us, whatever. There's this gap there that exists that kind of keeps us that even the best, even the most um, accurate replications of human speech, human phys- physiology, there's still a gap that machines can't quite overcome. Um, but you know, I think that the way AI gets used in certain circumstances is closing that gap. But I do think that that gap is still big enough that you can tell when something is definitely not, uh, something is not human, but we are much closer. Let me tell you that. I think, I think the bad besides, you know, besides the obvious threats to, um, art, you know, intellectual, intellectual property in the art world. I think one place where we might get into some trouble in the near future um, is the way. So there are companies that make AI presenter, AI models and presenters for like, um, you know, you can like demo a product with a fake voice and a fake person. Um, that sort of the way that that sort of um, artificial inte- artificial intelligence could be used for deep fakes um, to, uh, you know, you if you want. President Biden, you know, excuse me, from President Biden saying something on camera that he definitely didn't say, we are significantly closer to that becoming a reality. We are significantly closer to um, potentially in the near future, certain vested interests having their own newsrooms with people that might be, you know, people that look real, people that look and sound real. Um, and, you know, then, then you can then we actually get to a real place where the media quote unquote is, uh, you know, is, has a very particular agenda. Um, so I think that there are, I, I don't want to get into all that. These are, these are topics that could fill out an entire episode, but I just, I think that we are, there is the, the gap of the, of the uncanny Valley still exists. It's getting a little bit smaller each day, but I just don't think that, I don't think that in my lifetime, we're ever going to cover that gap. I just think it'll always exist. So the last topic I want to tackle here is actually one that is, um, it goes back to, as I said, the, the last year's in the March of Minisodes, when we talked about making the Marvel Cinematic Universe a little bit more legit and kind of making them into Oscar and Emmy contenders and the steps needed uh, to get there. And I, I say this because 
the most recent spate of movies to me has kind of um put more eyes on like a lot of the problems that have all to me have always been there with the marvel cinematic universe but um certainly have become more pronounced with their tv shows and uh their more recent movies um i think one of the things one of the things that really stands out more so than ever is the lack of the lack of real filming locations. Now I know that like there's always been plenty of CGI and green screen in these movies, but there was a point in time where uh, it almost and it almost seems quaint now when um, you know Captain Steve Rogers running around in Times Square, you know, in modern Times Square, unaware that he's been uh, you know he was in a coma for or a, you know, not a coma but like a uh, I guess a frozen state for like seventy years previously. Um, that almost seems quaint now. And I can almost imagine now that same scene in a movie being filmed at the vault in Los Angeles on a completely fake Times Square. Um, I, I can remember when uh, Tony Stark was just trying to survive in a cave and then stop his boss from taking over the company. Like that was the goal of Iron Man. Um, the old MCU seems very, very quaint by comparison to what every single fucking movie now and every single TV show now has to do. Where everything is tied into the Avengers, the Snap, and I know we're, we're getting—I know they're getting away from that a little bit, but uh, well, let me finish that first thought here. Everything was related to Thanos, the Snap, and everything else, and everything was part of this massive world. And there was a point in time where I'm sure there, there obviously were plans were being laid to kind of, um, you know, to to build what would become the MCU. This absolutely unbelievable juggernaut of entertainment um plans were certainly underway but each movie early on in like the first phase was made so that if it didn't succeed it would be okay you know if it, if it didn't succeed and, and this mcu couldn't kind of come to complete fruition the movies still operated on their own as insulated individual movies you could still watch iron man and you know even though there is a little bit of a you know you still have uh the, you know have the the post credit scene or whatever it still functions on its own as an open and closed story. Um, and that old MCU seems very, very quaint by comparison now because you just think this is, uh, this is again, being most uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp, or Ant-Man, uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp, uh, Quantumania, whatever the hell, it's, I don't even know what the fucking title is. But it, it this is sort of, to me, maybe the most flagrant symptom of what's happening or what has happened, and, and obviously something that they don't feel like they can they can stop doing, and that you're you're dragging one of the characters in who is already sort of, you know, obviously a part of the group, if you will, the Avengers and whatever. But the previous Ant Man movies were always sort of a I heard them called a palate cleanser, in between some of the bigger actions of the of the Avengers, right? Like that, the stories were a little bit smaller. The stories were a little bit more self-contained. Obviously, they there was extra stuff on. Uh, you know, there are always post-credit scenes, or whatever. But if you just take the story of, you know, the Ant-Man story from beginning to end, it functions as its own closed movie, and then you know come the post-credit scenes and, and whatever else to connect it to the larger universe. But now this this particular Ant-Man is already sort of establishing that we are going to have uh, Kang as the, as our next big bad, as our next Thanos that's going to appear in a whole lot of stuff. Um, and I know he's. I know Kang, Jonathan Major showed up in uh, Loki, I believe. We we don't really need this to be. I, I don't think you need this to be a the only way that you can do storytelling in these movies. That 
there doesn't always need to be a big bad threat. Like I again, I missed I kind of missed the days of when literally the the beginning and end of the first Iron Man is Tony Stark survives a terrorist attack and obviously it was an inside job, but survives a terrorist attack in a cave and then he has to stop his boss from taking over um Stark Industries and kind of turning it into a weapon for evil. That again, that almost seems quaint by comparison where now everything is stopping someone who could shatter reality and end the world. And, and so like I, I we can you can get back to the stories and then tie them into a larger universe. They used to do it all the time. Movies back movies before we had like guaranteed planned five movie franchises. Movies got you have one movie, and then if it was successful, you got a second movie. And if that movie was successful, you got a third movie. And they did pretty okay beginning and ending those movies and then picking them up in a very organic way for you know 30 years ago so why you can't do this now i don't understand but it's it, that's just something that needs to fucking stop we need to stop we need to stop with the inherent idea that this is going to be part of some shared universe just make a movie and make it well and just end it have the story beginning and end in the same movie and then if it turns out that this is something you want to continue forward with, I guarantee you could very easily tie that into the larger, you know, the larger universe. Another thing that just aggravates me to no end, I mentioned it before, there's always been plenty of CGI in these movies, but especially in the beginning, there was much, there's a lot more, there were more real sets and there were more real uh, mocap performances and, and, and there was a little bit more realness to it. This this last this most recent movie, uh, Quantumania, it, it, nothing in it looks real, and I'm going to compare it directly to Avatar, uh, The Way of Water, and why not the first one too? But um, I'm going to compare it directly against that because you can you can see the difference, even though there's tons of CGI in both of these movies, you can see the difference in a CGI environment entirely with CGI characters entirely versus someone building a tank to have physical locations and then have actual physical performances happening in these physical locations then having them enhanced by CGI the the world of <clears throat> the the world of Pandora feels a thousand times more real than what ha- what's happening in Quantumania and I know again part of that's sort of on purpose but nothing feels nothing in Quantumania has like any sort of any sort of um, feeling of like feeling big or small or uh, nothing. There's so much fakeness to it that like you get lost in the fact that you, you are supposed to be in this sort of kind of fantastical world. Whereas James Cameron did a pretty damn good job of making sure you felt the realness of his world. So there needs to be, to me, there just needs to be a fundamental shift in what the MCU is trying to do, but it's very clear it, it, the way that they have their movie set up like a fucking factory um that nothing is going to stop what they have coming until literally until there is a total a complete and total bomb um and you know even though Quantumania was kind of one of the worst reviewed movies that they've had it still has made enough money to for them to continue forward with any plans they have in the next couple of years i'm talking it's going to take a john carter level sort of bomb to to get them to sort of like take stock to get kevin feige to take stock and kind of maybe plot a new course for what they're doing with these movies and that's it that is uh that is the last episode for this particular week of the march of minisodes uh we'll be back next week with some more for you so uh 
Thanks for downloading and listening, and we will see you next time.